All right, well, today is Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, woo, that's a party. So I wanna, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit wants to do some wonderful things in each and every heart. But before we get there, I wanna just want to read God's Word. So we have uh, Acts chapter 2. A little bit of background is this is after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, and on the 50th day after his crucifixion, 49 days plus one Sabbath, Pentecost arrived. It was already one of the parties that God had commanded his Jewish people, the festivals, uh, to celebrate the works of God, which, by the way, if you haven't heard, God invented parties. He really did. Like Leviticus chapter 22. You think Leviticus, you think the boringest book of the Bible. I used to think that too. Until there's the party chapter in chapter 22, where literally God says, here's the seven parties that I command you to have throughout every year. He, festivals, all right? It's a different word. It's the same word. It's a fiesta, all right? It's a party, and it's to celebrate the goodness of God. It's awesome. I love God's heart. So, Pentecost arrived. Let's, let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. The day of Pentecost arrived. I'm going to just kind of read. It's a, it's a narrative. It doesn't have it up here because it's kind of a lengthy 20 verses, but it's a story. It's a beautiful story, so you can just listen. If you don't have the text in front of you, imagine the, the, the picture that's being painted it's just a very clear and cool story. The day of Pentecost arrived, and they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And the divided, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not these all who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native tongue? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking them, saying, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. But this is, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and even on my male 
servants and my female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens and above, the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then it goes on with many other words. Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who received his word were baptized, and there were about 3,000 added that day. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on a tiny little gathering of believers. They were all in one house together in one place, it says. So just think about that. If, you, if, if <laughs> all the followers of Jesus at that moment there the ones who even had the courage to gather were, in a sense, hiding in one little house in prayer, in hope of the expectation that Jesus' promises would come to pass. And it does. And the church is born, and it's rolling immediately. The church is filled with clear purpose and explosive power. And that's what I want to highlight this morning. That's where we want to sit in God's word. It's just this absolutely encouraging, fascinating this reality, reality that this tiny band, I mean tiny group, historically in perspective, a tiny group, they fit in one little house in this upper room, tiny ordinary group of, of men, women, and children that ultimately brought an empire to its knees and turned the world upside down forever. It's because of this right here. They were empowered by the Spirit to carry on what Jesus said was the same mission that he has. As the Father sent me, now I am sending you. It's a specific fulfilled promise of Jesus about the coming of the Holy Spirit that he gave in Matthew 28 and Acts 1.8. And what I want to camp on this morning, as we were praying and studying and, and preparing the message, we felt like the Lord wanted us to camp on this incredible reality that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Clear purpose and explosive power is what was brought to the church at Pentecost, and it's what Jesus has for us today. Amen. Pentecost is about clear purpose and explosive power. And how we now, as followers of Jesus, have the privilege to expect that that's God's will for us. To have both of those things in our life in each and every season and station of our life. That there is not one season of your life as a follower of Jesus where it is not God's will for you to have clear purpose and explosive power. Purposeless and powerless Christians should not be a thing. And Pentecost is the proof of that. And so we want to dig into God's word and soak here today as an encouragement that we too can identify with that, that small little band of probably scared believers who are holding on to God's promises and know that now, post-Pentecost, we can be confident that God wants you to have clear purpose and explosive power. So let's get into God's word 
where we get that. The clear purpose, it comes from a lot of places, but just to summarize, you can't really find a better spot than the Great Commission. Post-resurrection Jesus has this to say, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to live out, is that word, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is so much in that incredible commission. What I want to emphasize this morning is the word go. Do you know the encouragement from heaven is that word go is not in the imperative sense. We're going to Greek geek it a little bit here for a moment because in this case, as oftentimes, there is gold in, in, in getting into the Greek. We see this as a command. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has become to me, so go. Now, there is a going that is needed. And now we see in Acts 1.8, which is the other verse we're going to look at, it's Ju Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So there is absolutely a go. But we hear this as an imperative, a command, go. When Jesus actually uses the passive participle, now, why am I boring you with the grammar in this moment? Because it changes everything. Passive participle is this. As you are going, make disciples of all nations. In other words, what Jesus is getting at is, as you are going about daily life, fulfill this great commission. Meaning, you don't need a quote-unquote, special calling to go to the ends of the earth to be worthy to participate in the great commission of making disciples of all nations. It might be right in front of you, that child in your house. It's wherever you are. It is literally wherever you are. That's Jesus' point. Wherever you are, this is a daily thing. This is a lifestyle thing. As you're going about daily life, Make disciples. Advance the kingdom. Wherever I've got you, that is the most purpose-filled assignment you could possibly dream of. Whether it's to the ends of the earth or with a baby in your house. There is no, there is no greater or lesser in God's kingdom. It's about as you are going about your daily business, make that business the Father's business. Wherever he's got you in this season, I find that as incredibly good news. That as a follower of Christ, I never need to feel like I'm lesser than someone else with a different calling that by the world standards and maybe even the church's standards has more outward prestige. That's a trap of the devil on both ends. You might look at someone and say, oh, wow, my calling is not nearly as 
cool, I don't know, cool, prestigious as them. Therefore, I'm not worthy and I'm not doing anything important. Meanwhile, I've got three precious souls in the home who God has entrusted me to make into mighty men of God. Well, there's more purpose than I could ever even handle if that's all I do. And then the person who's on the other end and maybe thinks they got the prestigious calling and looks down on others or misses the fact that God has called people to, in their daily business, be about the Father's business. And man, do we need that. We need people in everyday life situations, out in the workplaces, in the neighborhoods, in the businesses, who take on that heavenly divine purpose that as I'm going about my daily world, I'm going to be about my father's business. And if every Christian does that, the world gets turned upside down. This is incredibly clear purpose. As you are going about life, be about your father's business. And I believe this is absolutely an incredible privilege of, of, of being a follower of Jesus, that we never have to be purposeless. A purposeless Christian just, just is, is an oxymoron. It's right here. What, what should I do, Lord? What's my purpose right now? What is the contribution you want me to make to the world? Now, remember, I am not talking identity right now, and we got to be careful for just a moment. Identity and purpose are not the same thing. Identity is where you have been the, the, the love of God has been lavished upon you freely. 1 John 3, 1. Oh, the love of God that has been lavished upon us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are and therefore we have every blessing in heaven is ours in Christ. That is the freely given identity as a follower of Jesus, a beloved child a beloved daughter, a beloved son. It cannot be earned. We are not waking up in the morning looking for purpose in the sense of earning an identity. Not at all. That is settled on the cross that now we are wrapped in a robe of righteousness and, and, and the Father sees the righteousness of Christ on us. He sees the Son on us. So our identity is settled. I am a perfected, beloved child of God. That is not in question. As long as I'm trusting in Christ, my identity is secure. I do not wake up in the morning. You do not wake up in the morning with the need to earn God's love. That's settled. And separate from that, we are called to great purpose, which is the great commission. Now that it's settled that you know who you are in Christ, you have been given the privilege of being commissioned to into his army. And we never have to wake up and wonder, do I have any purpose, a significant contribution to make? The answer is yes. Jesus said it right here. It's quite simple and clear. As you wake up in the morning and go about, I mean, this is kind of like the bare bottom common denominator. Just as you go about your daily business, be about the Father's business. That will save you from ever wondering if you have purpose. And that is such a privilege, though, because we have so many millions of people in the world who do not feel a purpose. And it is so destructive to the soul because we're made to do something significant. We're made to make a meaningful contribution that changes the world for good. Even people who don't believe in God can feel that. 
They want to do something that makes a difference. That is God's design for the human soul, to find purpose and do something good in the world. And we have an enormous privilege as Christians. We never have to question what our purpose is. It's right here. As you go about daily life, be about your father's business. Always there. It's always there. But furthermore, we absolutely believe he wants us to hear his voice to specify our purpose in each season of life. Because they can change. As we go through life, there are lots of different specific assignments of purpose that God can give us. Some of them are maybe a 40-year assignment, a 60-year assignment. If, you, if God has blessed you with children, that's a lifetime assignment. It never stops. And some of you are like, oh, I wish it did. I was expecting it to, you know, taper off a little bit more. That glory that God has bestowed upon you will never stop. That's a lifetime assignment. But there's other assignments that are seasonal. They come and go. They're for a month, two months, six months, two years, ten years. And that we absolutely believe that the, the who, what, and how of specific purpose is something God wants to clarify and specify for you. So we have all this general purpose of the Great Commission to, as you live daily life, be about your father's business. But man, God is also so personal. One of the great privileges we have of having the Holy Spirit with us is that he wants to speak to his children. John 10, 3 and 4, one of my favorites, says, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, which is utterly amazing. The creator of the universe has, has, has <laughs> condescended himself in such a manner to be so relatable that he wants to speak to you in a way that is family relation, familial re relation, where you know that Jesus is calling you by name. That's the kind of God we have. And if you're not there yet or haven't encountered that yet, just know that that is God's heart and it's coming. He wants you to know that he calls you by name and he leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them and they follow him for they know his voice. So that's a picture of life with Jesus. As he calls you by name and your identity is secure, now he wants to open the gate of the, and, and take you out of the little pen of safety into the pasture where it's a little wild and crazy, but it's okay because he's with you. He's in front of you, leading you, calling you by name. You hear his voice, and he's saying, come on, you can do this. And so that gives us a confidence that in each and every season, there's not just general purpose, but he wants to clarify specific purpose. So we have the privilege now to listen to the Holy Spirit regularly and ask the question, God, if you don't know, God, what is your purpose? specific purpose or purposes that you have for me in this season and station of life. Because when you hear that, not only general purpose from the Great Commission, but specific purpose, it fills you 
with that sense of, of, of true divine significance, that I get to wake up in the morning and I know that there is real purpose on my life to, as I invest in doing what he's called me to do, I am fulfilling the, the purpose of God for my life. And that's where, and I've joked about it before, like I've done more hours of dishes in my life that I ever hope to even see. And somehow it's become this love relationship with, with God. Not dishes, but with God's presence. And it's because it's kind of like this, well, hey, in this season of life where you guys are committed to learning how to you know, cook healthy food, live healthy, eat healthy, and you got three boys and they have ridiculously wild appetites, there is an inevitable mountain of dishing that piles up. So God's like, so here's your purpose. Here's one of them. Here's an assignment you got to, and otherwise, it's like kind of, you, you know, if maggots are growing, you've, you've forgotten your purpose, buddy. You, okay? There's some clear signs here about God's will for my life. But, but it's seriously to where it's like instead of being like, oh, I don't want to do this right now. It's like, no, there is, there is as a way of sacrificially serving my family in this season, there is divine purpose in the lowliest of activities, up to whatever God else may give you. They're the same in God's eyes. But I believe he wants you to be confident about specific purposes in your life. It, it puts the wind in your sails. So instead of like, oh, what am I doing right now? It's like, no, I am grateful for the privilege to do the assignments, the purposes that God's called me to in this season. Let me give you two specific ones where I heard God's voice just abundantly clear. One was about five or six years ago, and this one is more related to kind of like church and outreach and kind of giftedness stuff out into the world, which we all have in some measure. Seasonally, though, that will change. And praying about, I was asking God, God, what is your purpose for me in this, in this season right now, in this, in this specific area? And I really specifically heard him say, Serve the city, build positive relationships. So it was right as I, as I felt the Holy Spirit calling me to, to close out my time of leading the youth here at the church. And so it was kind of like, what's next, Lord? And it was very, very specific. Serve the city, build positive relationships. And so that's a clear assignment, a clear purpose of just, if nothing else, just Get your booty out there and serve people and look for opportunities to build positive relationships out in the city. That's, that's clear, but it's broad. So it's just kind of like, hey, God's just like, get out there and see what I do. What I'm calling you to do in this season is go serve people be, and be, build positive bridges of relationships. I'll take it from there. It's like, okay. And so that five, six years later, continues to be an assignment that I'm confident about from the Lord. That if I'm asking the question, well, what do I do? Well, let's kind of look at the list of assignments and purposes given me. Am I serving the city, building positive relationships? Am I taking the opportunities that I have to do that? And it's just personal. I'm not saying that that's your assignment for this season. I'm just telling you the Holy Spirit loves to speak so that you hear his voice because I'm not specialer. I'm not hearing his voice. I, God doesn't want to talk to me more than he talk, wants to talk to you. I'm just showing the example of John 10, where he wants to take those, that idea of purpose and make it specific. 
And one other one right now, as I've shared before, is that in raising three boys, God renews purpose all the time. I remember it was probably several years ago when in the challenge of raising three boys and having like two teenage boys at the same time, it was one of those Saturday mornings where we're on family Sabbath time. I'm outside to read the Bible because I just don't want to be inside with them, you know. But it was like, uh, it's hard raising kids. You get frustrated at times. It's like, oh, all the stuff that you pour in, does, it doesn't always see like you feel the fruit. Like, why would you be more like Jesus? Because I am, and I'm telling you what to do. Come on. Oh, wait, maybe that's the method is the problem. Anyways. But I was asking God, re- help me here. Renew my purpose. Renew what, I, I need some encouragement. And I literally heard Psalm 112. Had no idea what's in it. Here it is. Blessed is the one who reveres the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. That was the voice of God hearing my cry, answering me with a specific renewed purpose. And what's in there? It's that's on me. It was I received that as a challenge to me of My job, God was encouraging me, hey, you just keep doing your part, I'll translate it, to cultivate intimacy with me, and trust me, your boys are going to be fine. What what they need more than anything is you staying connected to me. And it's right there in the verse. The one who reveres the Lord, who greatly delights in God's ways. So if I delight in God and delight in his ways, in his word, in his commands, I revere God. If I'm living with that healthy, holy fear of the Lord and delight of God, God says, I promise you, you, your boys will be giants in the land. So I took that as a promise from the Lord and some very clear purpose. So in the mundane of doing dishes and driving 40 minutes to take one of them to just one of them to school every day, twice a day, in the mundane and minutia of those tasks, God's saying, there is great purpose. Put the wind in your sails. There is great purpose. And so to me, that's just an example that I want to share for you guys of I we a hundred percent believe that in each and every season and station of life. As you listen to the Lord and bring community into it as well, ask for others to pray for you, God not only wants to build your confidence in your general purpose, that as you go about daily life, just be about your father's business, he also wants to give you specific things that you're confident he's called you to do. And that fills your life with great purpose. Oh, hello. You want me to go now? Hmm. All right. So I want to go back to Matthew 28, 19. I'm going to read it one more time because I want to go over a few of the amazing nuances that I noticed in here um, that I felt like the Holy Spirit brought up. Go therefore, so as you are going, as you are just living your life, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there are a few things that I felt like the Holy Spirit really highlighted for me. Um, First, I'm going to um, the very end of the verse. It says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So you have Jesus saying, as you're going, make disciples and basically be and go on mission with him always. And he says, I am with you always until the end of the age. Now, what he's referring to is the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be reading a few verses um, on the Holy Spirit. John 7:37. This is one of my favorites. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall fl- will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I'm also going to read um, John 14, because I think it's another beautiful passage about the Holy Spirit. Um, because this is what Jesus is referring to. He's saying, as you're going... Make disciples as you're on mission. I am with you. And these things, what's so important to me, as you're going, I am with you. These are actually inextricable. If you're not abiding in the vine, if you're not living out of a connectedness and an overflow like John 7 talks about, then we're kind of missing the whole point to our existence. Um, And I'm going to go over a few verses about that. And we're also not living in power because power comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, However, there are uh, two different things. There's the power of the Spirit manifests through signs and wonders and, um, you know, just God moving, his presence moving and touching people. But then there's also the intimacy that we need to have with him. Um, I'm going to read John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So that's what Jesus means when he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. I will not leave you as orphans. And then again, um, later on in this passage, that was starting in verse 16, he says, um, In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. So there's just this, there's a communion. Um, And then he says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is it who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
I'm going to read Psalm, uh, sorry, verse 26 also. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So when Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age, and he is the source of our power, this is really us plugging in in intimacy um, to the Holy Spirit. It's his spirit. He's connect, he's, that's, he, he's inside of us, and he wants to fill us to a place of overflowing. Um, and again, this is one of my favorite verses, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. This is John 15, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I, and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, on that note, I would like to point out something from one of my favorite verses. John 17, Jesus says, um, eternal life, eternal life is knowing him. Eternal life is knowing the Father. If we do works... In absence of the Holy Spirit, in an absence of intimacy, of being led by him. You know, um, in John 5, 19, Jesus says that he does what he sees the Father doing. Um, He only does. And I'm actually going to read that right now because it's a super powerful um, verse. Hold on. There we go. I underlined it so I could find it easily. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, and he is our example. But only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. John 20, 21, Jesus says, as the father sent me, so I send you. So now we have the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit is, you know, the spirit of God that connects us to him. And so this is so important. The connectedness is the life in everything. And um, I want to read one of my other favorite verses, Matthew 7, because I kind of want to tie all of this together. Um, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Doesn't that sound like John 5 to you? I only do what I see the Father doing. So what is that? That's a communion. That is a communion. That is not empty works. That's not good ideas. That's not, that's not oh, well, I saw this person doing that, and that's a great idea. It's a Holy Spirit drinking, overflow, intimacy. It's learning to hear God. You know, John, he just went over um, John 10. My sheep know my voice. This is a learning and a growing process that we're to be learning to grow in him day by day, learning more and more to hear his voice, 
to walk in him, to walk in power, which we're going to go over later. But if you are not, well, I'll go in in a minute because I want to go over this. Um, if you, we are not plugged in to the Holy Spirit, we will be pointless and powerless and quite frankly, godless. And I'm going to finish this verse, okay? Good works absent of intimacy that flow out of our communion with God are not the will of God. They're lifeless and they're dead. Even if they are signs and wonders. Okay, I'm going to um, repeat this word because I went a little bit off on a tangent before I finished the verse. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Hmm. And cast out demons in your name? Hmm. And do many mighty works in your name. So they're doing signs, wonders, prophesying, casting out demons, all these things that are the works of the Lord. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The will of my Father means we are connected to him. We are abiding in the vine or we are dead and we are fruitless no matter what the outside looks like. No matter what kind of signs and wonders we are walking in. He created us because he loves us. He wants to live in intimacy with us. He created us to be his children. He wants to be our father. He wants to sing over us and he wants us to hear that song. He wants to dance over us and he wants to fill us so much in our daily lives that we are at a place like John 7 talks about where we are living in overflow. We're not just going out and doing works by rote. Oh, this is a good idea. That's a good idea. I'm going to go bless the world. You're giving the world a taste of the goodness that flows out of you. You can't give what you don't have. We need to operate from a place of overflow. We give people a taste of what he's given us, of the goodness that he's poured out upon us. And that is life. And that is where the power is. You want to go into the dunamis? Yeah. Okay. And, and that is where the power is. And Acts 1.8 is the promise that was made that that explosive power will be there in order to empower you and I to live this out to wherever God calls us. So let's look at that. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So you will receive power. That's Jesus' promise. That word power is a fun one. It's dunamis in the Greek, so it's from where we get the word dynamite. So there is a sense of like explosive strength. 
a, a manifesting influence that, that looks supernatural in manner. And that's, that's a, an amazing reality that that's how Jesus says is going to be the normal for his followers. It could be a sign, a wonder, a gift of healing, a word of knowledge, an open door of favor, a divine appointment, a series of all of those things put together. But what we see from this is that Jesus is saying there is going to be a clear reality. He is with us always. It's right there in the Great Commission. He is with us always. He will not leave us as orphans. His presence is with us so that we can be his witnesses meaning like represent him, be little Christs in the world to where we can look back and we can see that the outcome that was achieved through us by his strength is something that we know we couldn't do on our strength. And that's where there's that fun tension in life. If we look back at our life and we can point to all these things that we've done and, we can, and it makes sense that based on our strength we could do it, you're missing out. God wants us to be able to look back and say, I know I couldn't do that on my strength. God opened that door. God built a bridge there. God made that relationship. That was clearly a divine appointment. God healed that person. God gave that prophetic word. God gave me that boldness in front of whoever it may have been. We've got, that, that, this is the privilege. Explosive power from Pentecost forward is promised so that we can look back at our life as we join in on his mission and more and more, and this is in community, not as a solo mission. We want to emphasize that all the time, that we can look back together and say, God did that. What a privilege it was to join him on this purpose-filled mission. So Pentecost is about clear purpose and explosive power and how we now have the privilege to expect that that is God's will for us, to have both of those things, purpose and power in each and every season and station of life. Yeah. Um, I want to add, again in Matthew 28, uh, another part that I felt like the Holy Spirit highlighted, go therefore as you are going and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or live out all that I have commanded you. So for a long time in the American church, the idea of go and make disciples was this idea of just getting people saved. Well, Jesus says, make disciples, which is not just getting people saved. That's teaching people to follow him with all of their hearts, right? Um, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Wow, well, he sure commanded a lot and he modeled a lot. And here's just one of them, Matthew 10, seven. The kingdom of heaven is, wait, sorry. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely have re you received, now freely give. So there's power involved there. Um, there is um, a parable that I was looking at, and I forgot exactly where it was because I was kind of all over the Bible and I didn't write this one down, um, but it's the parable of the mustard seed. 
And that particular parable talks, it's um, in basically saying that that's like the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And it starts out tiny. So this is an encouragement not to despise a journey or small beginnings because things begin as a seed. And you can easily look and say, oh, well, I'm not casting out demons. I'm not cleansing lepers. I'm not raising the dead yet. And so we're going to throw everything out and we're not going to keep pursuing. But that's not really an option unless we want to live in disobedience to the Great Commission, to Jesus, and basically live a powerless life making excuses for why Jesus doesn't do all of these things now and why that was only for the early church, even though it actually contradicts everything that Jesus said in the scriptures and it contradicts everything in the New Testament. Um, But that's a side note. But I want to encourage us not to look lowly upon small beginnings and upon the journey. When Peter first stepped out on the water, he started to sink. Okay? So just keep trying. You know, like the verse that we bring up all the time in, um, is it Mark 9 and Matthew 17? Yeah, Mark 9 and Matthew 17. You know, this is right after Jesus says to the disciples, I give you authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And then they go out and they can't cast the demon out of the man's son, right? And so Jesus says, well, I guess you can just forget about it and it's not God's will. Eh. Right? We go over this all the time. He encourages them to grow in their faith, and to grow in their intimacy with God by saying this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Jesus neither prayed nor fasted in that moment. He's referring to an intimacy with God and the power that grows out of his presence in us as it grows stronger and stronger as we transform from one degree of glory to another. So wherever you're at, take his hand one step at a time. Take the risk one step at a time. Holy Spirit, what are you leading me to do? Holy Spirit, who are you highlighting? And you know, sometimes it's not about other people. Sometimes it's, oftentimes, it's about us. He wants to renew our mind. He wants us to line up with him. He wants us to stand in agreement with him to bring his kingdom over all the areas in our heart, in our mind, in our bodies, in our families, in our cities, everywhere. So an encouragement that if our life maybe doesn't look like Jesus quite yet, not to throw it out, but it is a process and he is with us. And we have the privilege of being children of God. You know, he doesn't say, you know, you're the adults that know everything of God, right? We're children. I think we should wrap up. Um, You want to? Okay, so I can't do any of the stuff that I was doing. I want to 
All right. Um, so one, one point that I felt like the Holy Spirit really brought up for me as we were talking about Acts and for both of us um, is that what they were going through with their government and um, do you want to give a little background of what was going on, like two sentences? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, as we look at, you know, the, the, the early church, and they were, they, they were given the clarity of purpose, and then they were given the explosive power, and they turned the world upside down. But I think sometimes <clears throat> we can forget how, uh, as she mentioned, don't despise, despise small beginnings. It's hard to sometimes relate to or remember how feeble they were. I mean, it was a tiny little group of people that was gathered in one upper room. You know, they fit in one house. You know, these are the, the, the mighty warriors that turned the world upside down for Jesus. And why were they hiding in one little house? Because they were living in, in very real fear for their life. They just saw their leader get dragged off and executed. I mean, Jesus died a political death to the Romans. He was a political threat that he was stirring up dissent. This Galilean, you know, was, was stirring up dissent in Jerusalem, in Judea, you know, causing, there's, there's words about a, a new king that's rising up. Well, they're living in the context where the Romans rule the world. It is a dictatorship. So the Jews and then the Christians coming after them, they have literally no political rights or freedoms to the point where that's why they have to hide in a house because what happened to Jesus could very well happen to them if they are discovered to be followers of Jesus. So they have no legal protection. They have no you know, physical protection other than them little selves together. And so as we think about our world today, and there's all sorts of attacks coming our way that are, are scary and dangerous and real, I get encouraged, we get encouraged when we look back and be like, whoa, look at the early church. They had, they had a climate and a situation that was just as scary, and in some ways, if not more so, living under the real oppressive hand of a, of a tyrant that could barge down the door and take their life at any moment, and it's even what happened to their leader, Jesus, and but God. In the midst of that, the church was birthed, brought an empire to its knees, turned the world upside down. So in our world, there's, there are a lot of crazy things that are going on right now. You know, justice and liberty for all um, and everything that really our founding fathers stood for when they founded this great nation um, are... <laughs> hanging in the balance, and, um, you know, there's a great deal of tyranny <laughs> in some ways, um, you know, us losing our liberties and things like that, and there is there's definitely a battle. We don't want to bury our heads in the sand and just wait for heaven. We don't want to watch as the kingdom of God is stepped on and destroyed and control and all of these bad things that are going on, love of money and power and, you know, all of this. But um, what I felt the Holy Spirit is that the early church had a similar situation. They were filled with power. And I felt like um, just the Holy Spirit kind of honing in 
on, you know, for us in America, all of this stuff, although it has been going on for quite a while, under disguise, in a sense, there's a lot that is coming to the surface now where it's really quite evident what is going on. And it is so important that as we talk about political things, as we talk about all of these things, you know, the power, the, the hunger for power, um, as we talk about things that are truth, that we don't elevate just being educated and aware above partnering with God in those things. So we don't want to talk about the problem more than or without being guided by the Holy Spirit to partner with God to bring his kingdom over that situation. We can talk about a whole lot of awful things, and quite frankly, Jesus could have as well when he came to earth. He could have talked about and focused on all of the strongholds that the enemy had because the enemy has always been prowling around like a roaring lion. He is always seeking to establish his kingdom, right? But we won't be partnering with God if all we're doing is focusing on quote unquote the truth in politics, which I'm, I am fiery and I can tell you all of the things, you know, I can, I can go off about this stuff. But I will not be partnering with God, and I will be abdicating the partnership that he's calling me to, and I will be sitting on the sidelines, watching in awe of what the enemy is doing, if I am not partnering with God over everything, over every area that I am pointing out the negative things that, that Satan is doing observation should lead us to the eyes of Jesus to see what he is saying, to declare his words, and then on mission with him to take whatever action the Holy Spirit is leading us to take. Now, everybody's mission is different. Not everybody's mission is politics. Not everybody's mission is, you know, to be a teacher, whatever. The Holy Spirit within us leads each of us on our own unique mission. But in this world right now, in the state of the world that we are in, where there is so much being exposed that is so negative, and there are so many strongholds of the enemy... We need to be aware that if we are just talking about it, and if we are even talking about it, we, we just can't be just talking about it because we are literally, in effect, worshiping what the enemy is doing by focusing on that, worshiping the problem over our God who is mighty to save and wants, to part, wants us to partner with him to speak what he is speaking over that problem, to declare what he is declaring, to bring change, to take action as he leads, to be proactive. 
You know, um, David didn't take down Goliath by talking about how big the giant was. Jehoshaphat didn't win the war by talking about how vast the army before him was and how his warriors only knew how to sing. They worshiped, right? Moses didn't part the Red Sea by turning around and looking at Pharaoh's army. He was looking forward, listening to the Lord to find out what to do to bring the breakthrough. We were made to bring the breakthrough. We were not made to observe powerlessly, which can often, this whole being aware of the truth, we need to be very cautious because the truth is important. We need to be exposing the lies so that we can be partnering with God to bring his kingdom. But don't look at the work that the enemy is doing. Don't keep your eyes there. Don't keep your gaze there. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says he looks at the enemy long enough to get the crosshairs of his rifle on there. And then we need to be listening to the Lord, releasing what he wants to release, following him in obedience, but it is so, so, so important because really what we're doing is we're elevating the giants over our God if we're talking in majority about the problem, right? You know, you can see that contrast in the story of um, Joshua and Caleb. The 10 other spies that went with them to, you know, spy out the land, they came back saying, oh, it's a great land, but there are giants. And then Joshua and Caleb, I actually have the verse here uh, somewhere. Um, and I can't find it. I don't, I don't really need to say it. But the point is, they partnered with God. With God, we can do this. They weren't looking at the size of the giants. They weren't they weren't singing in the accolades of the giants. They were singing the praises of their God who is able, who is the God of the impossible. He is the God who wants to establish his kingdom through us. And so it's really important that as we bring awareness and as we talk about truth, you know, there's all sorts of satanic stuff going on. There's all sorts of nasty political stuff going on. But we need to be partnering with him to bring his kingdom. Otherwise, we are literally just bystanders, bystanders watching what the enemy is doing instead of walking as Jesus did, doing what the Father was doing, activated and bringing the kingdom one day, every single day is an opportunity, every single day. And I, um, one last thing, I wanna encourage us regarding our mindsets and every thought to just be actively checking in with the spirit about all of our thoughts so that we can be partnering with him, asking him to renew our minds, to show us his way, to give us his heart, to give us his vision, 
and to live that out with him on an adventure where we can see the kingdom birth every day, where we can see the world transformed before us, not only ourselves transformed from glory to glory, but his kingdom, his kingdom coming to earth. Amen to that. So we're going to pray and where we want to just encourage you and challenge you uh, today is believing that God wants clear and specific purpose for this season of your life. He wants you to walk away from here with renewed, clear, and specific purpose in this season. And we believe that he wants to increase the sense of explosive power with you to achieve that purpose. And that's where we want to stay humble and hungry. And anytime someone is offering to pray for more of the Holy Spirit to be upon you to achieve the purposes that God has for you, our answer in this church is, yes, please, more please, more Lord. And so what we're going to do to close our time is we're going to ask each and every person who desires and is willing, and we hope it's every single person in this place, to just do a quick walk through right up there. And Dr. Charles, if you could come on up, and, and Dr. Nina, come on up. <laughs> we're, we're just going to, do, to quickly lay a hand and pray a, a blessing. Don't even stop. It's like a Holy Spirit car wash. All right? So we're just, you know, get on the conveyor belt and, and roll on through. This is not a time for personal prayer requests. This is not a time for prophetic prayer even. That we're, gonna be, we're not trying to listen for specific things for each person. We're, we want a just simple blessing of more, more of a Holy Spirit power, more clear purpose, more specific purpose, and more explosive power to achieve those purposes. And so uh, we're just going to open it up, and we just want you to, we encourage you to just make a line and, and walk right through, and we'll have a little anointing oil in the front. And if you'd like, you can kind of give us a thumbs up, and we'll do a little dab on the way out or on the way through as that demonstration of, of, of faith that happened all over the New Testament where they asked to be anointed with oil as that representation of the Holy Spirit. So let me say a quick prayer and then we'll encourage you to just walk on through. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much. Jesus, Heavenly Father, we thank you that there's that promise you have not left us as orphans, but you have filled each and every one of us with your spirit. But thank you that you love to fill us afresh. Thank you, Lord, there is always more. And we see that in the book of Acts. Even though they were filled with the Spirit, they came back and they prayed, and it says they were filled with the Spirit again. So there's always more. And we want to come to you with that humble hunger right now, that your Holy Spirit would fill us afresh and fill us more, fill us to overflowing to achieve the purposes that you have for us. And for each and every person here, we pray that you would be revealing and clarifying specific purpose for this season for each and every person. In the mighty name of Jesus, we say, Holy Spirit, come.